Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. 13 years ago today, Saints winning Super Bowl Sunday uh, and part of that guy was uh, was part of that number, I should say, is the, the gentleman we have on with us now, Lance Moore, wide receiver with the Saints now doing uh, sports analyst and Saints analyst for WDSU. Lance, thanks so much for joining us. That's I'm going to ask you, what's the one memory you take away from that game? And I know you, you had that important two-point conversion that they took that long look at and that you had made the catch, but... What was the the one sort of moment that's etched in your mind? Uh, I, I would say, uh, obviously, it's a tie between Tracy Porter's pick six that kind of solidified or sealed the game for us, as well as the moment that the clock ran out, the the feeling of euphoria, the confetti. I mean, all of the things that go along with winning a Super Bowl in that very moment. Um, it just kind of gives me goosebumps to even think about it. I mean, it's obviously was 13 years ago today, um, but the memory of that day and that night is is so vivid in my mind. It, it feels like it was yesterday. Now, uh, Lance, I was just talking about this, and uh, and I think you'd agree with this uh, that uh, Jeff Arlen, uh, because uh, didn't you play quarterback growing up, like in high school and all that, uh, but. Well, you before have, high school, huh? Before high school, before obviously. high school. Oh, okay, so because I've I've actually seen you throw a, a, a like messing around throwing a forward pass. I know he probably played quarterback before. Uh, I, I watch you <laughs> throw a few balls, but uh, when Jeff Ireland sat down with Drew, he, and he said, um, you know, before Drew retired, he goes, "I, I got to know this. What makes you exceptional?" And Jeff Ireland said he recalled that Drew told him processing speed, you know, how you spit out a play in the huddle, then you're on the line of scrimmage and how you process and uh, your pre-snap read and all that. Then obviously accuracy, and you've been a part of receiving it on that, and just getting the ball out on time, uh, you know, anticipation, not having to see something open, but throw it before because you trust in your film study and your ability but uh, when you look at, like, a, a future quarterback, it seems like to me with the RPOs and, and like, high school and college that uh, the Peyton Mannings or the Tom Brady's or the Drew Brees's, they're not really developing that because a high school team wants to win. And whether they, you know, you do RPO, you got five things to learn or even in college football. But what's your take on that, the future position of a quarterback because – they got 32 teams, and there's never enough quarterbacks to go around to make everybody happy. It seems like teams, you have at least a dozen teams always looking for a quarterback. Yeah, well, I, look, I think times are changing, right? The, the uh, straight drop-back passing, pocket-passing quarterback days, I'm not going to say that they're over, um, but, I, but I would say there's far fewer of those guys going around because 
the position itself has started to move more and more toward the more athletic or the mobile quarterback right. that can run and throw the football, right? Like there's, there's, there's very few that, that are just dropping back and they're sitting ducks back there. I mean, you know, Tom Brady retired, I think, partly because he was tired of getting hit. He wasn't mobile. Obviously, he was older, but he was never mobile, which lends him to potentially being hit more. So I think that there's always going to be a place in the game for an accurate quarterback, right? Like a, a guy that can deliver the football to a place that very few human beings can do with accuracy that that there's always going to be a place for that guy. So I'm not saying that all of the quarterbacks moving forward have to be able to use their legs. I think it will help them, but I do see it the way that you're seeing it, that it's different than it was in the past and that the position in and of itself is moving to a more athletic looking and moving guy than ever before. Yeah, no, it's, it depends how, you know, the defense is always handcuffing. The defense is how, uh, how you can hit a player, you know, receivers coming across the middle or how you can hit a quarterback. Uh, so that all uh, always is going to uh, come into play and be a factor. Uh, but, like, for instance, you, you look like, uh, okay, Kayla Williams. I said, well, he looks very Pat Mahomes-like, but that's one guy. Uh, I mean, and, and then – you look at even like the senior bowl or different guys, and you might say, well, the top guys didn't even play in the game. But uh, I just think supply and demand, that it seems like uh, the only way you uh, can maybe give the edge to the offense going forward is that you got to put rules uh, continuously to benefit the offense over NFL defense. Lance, the other thing, too, is you think about what's coming out in this year's draft. If you look at, say, the top four quarterbacks and Bryce Young, Okay, he throw from the pocket, but he's a bit he of a, a uh, he's a scrambler guy. Uh, you think at C.J. Stroud? Now he spent a lot of time. <laughs> I will say, uh, sort of a pocket passer, but we saw against Georgia, he was really effective moving around and running with the football. Will Levitt said Kentucky. Um, he comes to the Manning camp and he tells me, he said, "Listen, Coach, uh, I, I think Penn State really wanted me to be the next Taysom Hill." Uh, as a runner, because he's sort of built a little bit like Taysom, but he, he can throw the ball. And the only guy close is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. While he's got some movement skills before the knee injury, Hooker's probably the closest of the four to a guy that would stay in the pocket, move a little bit left, a little bit right, but he, he hung in there and threw the football. So, you know, of all four, Hooker's the one guy – that if you want to say he's thrown a lot from the pocket, it's been him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he, he did a good job of, of throwing from the pocket. But, but first, back to Bobby's point, Patrick Mahomes has changed the game, yep. and the problem is everybody's looking for the next Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess what? There's <laughs> only one Patrick Mahomes, right? Like everybody's looking for how can we find this guy in the, you know, the next group of, of draftable quarterbacks. Well, that guy's not coming along anytime soon. Now, Caleb Williams, I would say, is probably the closest to it. Right. But it's still, it's still yet to be seen, right? He's still a college quarterback. He hasn't been able to move up to the next level to do the types of things that Patrick Mahomes has been able to do. Um, and, and, look, I, I don't think that just because a quarterback is an only passer or a guy that likes to move around, like, they can't be successful. I still think that both types of quarterbacks can be successful – um, and if I'm a GM for a team, which maybe someday I will be, I, I'm looking at this draft class, and to me, Bryce Young is 
the best uh, all guys. I agree. I think, and, and, and I don't even think I don't even think it's close. Honestly, I, I think C.J. Stroud is probably the most accurate of all these quarterbacks. But the things that Bryce Young can do with his legs are are fantastic, and they fit today's modern game beautifully. Um, the problem with him, obviously, is what everybody's been talking about: it's his size. And is he going to be able to hold up? And is he going to be able to? Um, navigate the, the the complexities of NFL defenses and getting hit and shaking it off and getting back in the huddle and being able to operate an NFL offense. Um, I think he will. I mean, I, I shoot if I was if I was Jeff Ireland and those guys, I'd be trying to put together whatever I could just to try to get an opportunity to move up to get that guy. And I know it's it's probably way out of reach for us, but I mean, he is the type of guy that can transform an organization. I really do believe in his ability, and I think he's going to be a success regardless of who drafts him. Lance, I think one of the things that what you just brought up is funny. He comes to Manning camp, and uh, you know Archie was Archie and I was sitting down talking. He was like, "Mike, you know, it's prototypical. Most quarterbacks, you know, they have a certain build. They they sort of look all the same physically, but there's always outliers." to that and he brought up Steve Young but he said you know who that guy reminds me of and he pointed toward Bryce he said and you don't have to look in Wikipedia for it because you saw him Fran Tarkenton when when he played with the Vikings and the Giants and he's like that's the new age version of Fran it's not that you considered him a runner but he's a scrambler and he drives you nuts because of the fact he wears you down trying to get him but he can throw from the pocket. He can throw out wide. He's a great leader. But he gets the ball in tight windows through arms and hands. He said, you don't see a ton of passes getting blocked back at him. He knows where to go with the football, and he finds that window. And he said, you know, what's going to happen when he's going to come out? They're going to have all these people. Oh, he got to be six foot four. He's got to have this super strong arm. But he said, there's always that exception to the rule. Always. He said, I don't know. He said, I think you feel the same way. Bryce Young is the exception to the rule at quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And and not just that, but he's he's like ready for this, like going to the NFL and, and playing against these guys. Alabama is the perfect program to get anybody ready to play in the NFL because they're practicing against NFL guys every single day and they're playing against NFL guys every single weekend in the SEC. So I'm not saying there's – there's not going to be any sort of kind of uh, growing pains for him this coming season, but I think he's ready. I yep. mean, like he, he is, he is amazing. And, and there's several different styles of, of athletic quarterbacks in, in the NFL. There's a guy like a Lamar Jackson who is going to be, if I believe he might already be the all time leading rusher at the quarterback position in the NFL. And then there's guys like a Josh Allen who, run a little bit, but but more so timely runs where they need to get a first down on a third and 12 and nobody's open and he tucks it and runs. I think Bryce Young is kind of in the middle of those two. Like he'll he'll take off and scramble and get you one when nobody's expecting it to. Defense is playing man-to-man coverage and all the defenders have their backs turned. The, uh, the defensive linemen are pushing up the field and he finds a gap to be able to rush and get a first down. I mean, he he is – the guy in this draft, and, and I would not allow his size to scare me away at all. So, Lance, uh, you know, going back to now the 13th anniversary, uh, winning the Super Bowl, uh, we in the huddle, and you're breaking the huddle, you're going for the two point play. You knew it was coming to you like 100%. I mean, uh, j- just to talk about that play 
and how uh, did he get in? Did he not get in? Just talk about that play and, 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 and you know, dealing with Sean Payton and all that and how that play came about. Yeah, I mean, that's QHB speed smash, and, and that's a play that I've run hundreds of times in New Orleans, obviously in practice and in the games. I've scored touchdowns on it, other two-point conversions on it. There's different shifts and motions and variations of the play, but the, that was my play. Um, so when, when we were going for two, I didn't have to wait for Sean to tell me he needed me to go into the game because I knew that what our two-point play was going to be. Um, and so for me, it's just a matter of get lined up first and catch the ball second. And as I'm catching the football and turning over and trying to figure out where I am and reaching the ball across, and then all of a sudden the ball's not in my hands, I really thought for a second, like, did I drop that? And then by the time I got to the sideline, everybody's like, hey, man, I think he kicked it out of your hand. I think he – and so when Sean's yelling at me, did you catch it? Did you catch it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I caught it. And really in the back of, and really in the back of my mind, I'm right. thinking, well, 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 I hope I caught it. You know, so right, I really, right. I honestly, I, I, I thought that I caught the ball from the ground without the ball in my hands. Then it's up to, you know, whoever is looking at the replay to figure out if it was a catch or not. And then you, and we all know how we feel about that situation. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's thank, right. Thankfully, the referee made the uh, proper to the call and uh, overturned it and shoot man that was just a, a, obviously a play that will I will be synonymous for uh, going yeah. forward in, in my football life now Lance uh, you know you're going at halftime and and obviously uh, well you know you know you're in a dog fight and um, you know Sean's thinking how can I gain a possession uh, did he share that with any of y'all as far as the onside kick do y'all go okay we're gonna onside kick this and we can recover it or that was something that uh, just was called uh, amongst the special teams coaching himself, and maybe to uh, uh, you know kickoff coverage. To just talk about even that play, because how that set the tone for the second half. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, you played for a long time, and you're aware of the phrase "coach speak." And there's things that you work on all the time, and the coach says he's going to call the play, and we're like, yeah, whatever. It's like kind of in yeah, one right. ear and out the other. Yeah. We we worked on that onside kick literally the entire season and never ran it. And then you know we get in the playoffs. He's like, ah, we got to get ready. We're going to run this onside kick. We're going to run this on. And everybody's kind of still like, yeah, all right, whatever. But then we get to the Super Bowl week, and he's like, like we have to do everything that we can to win this football game. We are going to run this onside kick. And so everybody's kind of still a little bit like, yeah, okay, whatever. But okay, like, if we do it, great. If not, whatever. Um, but once we came in for halftime, he told us the first thing he said when he came in is, here we go, we're running an onside kick. And then at, at, from that moment on, everybody's kind of like, okay, like, here we go. Like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're here to win this thing. Like, we're not going to leave any stone unturned out here. We're going to do everything that it takes to possibly win this game. And Shoot, obviously we, we did it. We executed it perfectly, and, and the rest was history from there. Lance, um, maybe my memory is wrong on this, but, you know, that three wide receiver set has been in place since the run and shoot. Uh, Bobby was a part yeah, of that yeah, yeah. Three uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. and But always the, the slot guy was a smaller receiver. I, is there a receiver you can think of? Because Sean a lot of times would put Colston inside. And so – I can't remember another team using that bigger receiver as a slot guy. And he sort of has changed things up because now you see a lot of uh, different variables of that slot receiver. Could you remember anybody 
that was that bigger receiver like Marcus that at times was playing in the slot before Sean did it with him. And Lance, is it all about the mismatches? I mean, because you always you think a smaller guy, well, he's quicker. But, but the bigger guy the, yeah, right, right. is a mismatch yeah, too. You know, there's a lot of pressure on that nickel uh, cover corner. Yeah, well, no, I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't recall there being at least consistent, consistently, right? right? Every now and again, you're in a slot formation with you know two receivers and two tight ends on the field, and you've got you know your Z or your X on the inside, which you know your X is primarily a bigger guy, so that it happens. But I, I don't remember ever seeing anybody doing it consistently like Sean. Um, and then obviously when Marcus was gone. Um, I believe uh, uh, Mike T started playing a lot in the squad as well. And and it it is, it is 100% about the matchup. The nickel corners are usually smaller guys, quicker, shiftier guys, but they're slight built, right? So they're not going to be your 200 pound corners or your, you know, or larger corners. I mean, they're usually 180, maybe to 190 pounds in there. And the bigger body guys, 215, 220, who should have probably played at 230, but Coach Payton only wanted him to be like 218 or 220. But bigger guys are able to get more physical with those guys and kind of beat them up on the inside. And it also helps in the run game as well, just to be able to have a big body in there at the point of attack as opposed to when you have your tight end on the field, which lends them to have a bigger personnel grouping. And it's not quite the same um, mismatch advantage for the offense so yeah Sean it was kind of a I would say he's one of the pioneers of, of the big slot receiver on a and consistent I, basis 100 percent 100 percent and I would expect um, one of the bigger guys in Denver to, to move inside and nickel personnel yep. which you know which to me would probably be Cortland Sutton because he seems to be one of the bigger guys there in Denver um, but you know running those routes and those types of concepts that Sean runs and in, in you know those personnel groupings will be <laughs> will be great. And it, now, I mean, just as, as they've always been. Now, Lance, uh, okay, uh, I think he would respect you. I know he would. Uh, you got scans in the wall. If you were talking to a young talent uh, who played at a high level uh, his rookie season like a Chris Olave, okay, and people are saying, oh, Chris Olave had a great season. I go, he didn't have a great season. Well, you should catch for 1,000 yards. The first-round draft pick, you play 17 games, 1,000 yards. Now, if he caught 1,600 or 1,500 yards plus, That'd be impressive. So what would you advise Chris Olave? To me, I I thought he was very good. I would not say he was great. Now, the potential is there. But to me, uh, whether you're finishing catches or making contested catches, does he need to get in the weight room more and he needs to get stronger? Because he's not going to be big like Marcus Coulson or Michael Thomas, you know, his physical makeup. But just making those contested catches, I think that's where he was lacking. And a lot of times, okay, the ball hits you in the hands. How about you catch it? I mean, I, I know you probably think uh, – you might think that Chris Olave is way better than I think. And I think, as, again, he's very good. But for him to take that next step and to be the guy, considering what we gave up and where we drafted him, he has to get a whole lot better. I don't care who's the quarterback. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think he had a an excellent season type of situation that he stepped into. Basically, having to be thrust into the number one receiver role with – um, you know, not necessarily even knowing every week who's your quarter, who your quarterback's going to be. Um, at the same time, I agree with you that there's things that need to be improved on. I think this season was just the tip of the, the potential iceberg for him. I think physically he's got to get stronger. He's got to get bigger. He's got to be more physical at the point of, of catch, um, being able right. to make those con- contested catches. 
Um, and not just make those contested catches, but being able to hang on to the football when he gets hit. That, to me, yep. is a different It's a different thing than a contested catch. A contested catch means the DB's close, he's touching you as you're trying to catch the ball, or he's trying to go for the ball and you're trying to go for the ball at the same time. Catching the ball, having the ball in your hands, and getting hit and the ball being broken up, that's a completely different thing. He's got to be able to be consistently good at catching the ball, taking contact, and finishing the play with the ball in his hands. I think that'll... That's a big part of his game. I think yards after the catch. He's now familiar with being able to – the spacing in the concepts that they're running in New Orleans, catching the ball and finding where the defenders are. I think he's so electric with the ball in his hands from, from what we've seen with him, you know, and the success that he had at Ohio State. That's got to translate over to the next level. And I, I think we'll see a lot of that from him as well. Um, and to me, uh, what separates a good receiver – from one of the great receivers in the league is is those game-breaking and or game-changing plays. Catching a short ball in a big moment and turning it into a big game. Touchdowns. I mean, just being a matchup nightmare, coming into a game where a defense has to commit multiple defenders to a receiver. I think that's next-level thinking, um, but it's one thing at a time. I think it's offseason now. Obviously, get the rest, heal up, and then start to put on the pounds, the muscle, getting himself physically ready to be able to go out and play another 17-plus hopefully next season. Well, well, Lance, as we let you go, uh, Jamar Chase, look at the Bengals game. That was an easy throw, and all of a sudden he took it to the house. You remember, Against you remember, the Saints. Yeah. You remember that play? It was like uh, the two or three tackles he broke, and it was like he made it look easy. I mean, uh, that, 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 that's, that's a game changer. And, and you watch Justin Jefferson do that week in, yeah. week out. I mean, he's able to break that tackle. Lance, thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. And uh, it's a Bill Parcells line, but it, it equates to you. They can take away your money and your homes and your cars, but at one time in your life, you played on the best team ever. You were, the, right. you were the champ. And, and, they can't and, take that away from you. And he's the champ, and he's good looking. He ain't ugly. <laughs> Thank you, Lance. Appreciate say, it. They're not going to take away my good looks either. All right, brother. <laughs> Thank you, Lance. That was Lance Moore, former Saint and part of that Super Bowl championship team back in 2009. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.